And we are back for another episode of the Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. Before we jump in, I just want to thank you guys for continuously, you know, listening to the podcast, recommending it to friends, subscribing on all the platforms, um, sending me messages. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's always great to hear the feedback because, you know, I work so hard on this and I'm really trying to create a tool for people to use and help people, you know, get a better footing in the industry coming in and also, you know, entry level, just trying to figure out where you are. So it's always good to hear um, that people appreciate it or even people who, you know, send me pointers on things that I could do better. I I appreciate that as well. And I I do everything that I can to try and, you know, make this experience for you guys and for myself, you know, the best it can be. So thank you everyone who reaches out or subscribes or, you know, sends it to their friends. I really appreciate it. Today's conversation features a young and talented diversity and inclusion assistant at Omnicom Media Group. She goes by the name of Tony Pringley. I think a lot of you will find Tony's story inspirational being that she's been able to accomplish so many good things in such a small amount of time. She's originally from Indiana where she grew up and attended college. She interned in Chicago and she now works in New York City. She speaks about how she got into the industry and also talks about how much of an impact the MATE program has made on her career thus far. Before we get into the episode, here's just a little more information on Omnicom Media Group. According to their website, it says, As a leading media network with data at the core, Omnicom Media Group creates end-to-end solutions for clients anywhere swiftly and efficiently. They consider client business needs from the start and keep consumer behavior at the heart of everything they do. Omnicom is comprised of the full-service media networks of OMD, PhD, and Hearts and Science, as well as a number of specialty media communication companies. They offer unparalleled cloud in the marketplace and depth of capabilities and experience that drive leadership and innovation in every media type. Omnicom Media Group is media services division of Omnicom Group Incorporated, the leading global advertising, marketing, and corporate communications company, providing services to over 2,500 clients in more than 100 countries. So here it is. Enjoy the episode. Tony Pringley, Omnicom Media Group. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. My guest today is Tony Pringley. Tony is a diversity and inclusion assistant at Omnicom Media Group in New York City. Um, I was put in contact with Tony through a mutual connection on LinkedIn. I did a post about um, I was looking for someone that worked in DNI, and um, Tony came highly recommended. So, um, Tony, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm I'm great. Thank you for taking the time to have this Skype call with me this morning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm super excited. Thank you. Okay, so let's start off. Can you just start off by giving the listeners a brief self-introduction? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Tony Pringley. I currently am a diversity and inclusion assistant at Omnicom Media Group. Um, I recently graduated from Indiana University. After that, I had an internship doing DNI at Digitas. And then three weeks after that, I got my current job. Um, and I currently live in New York City. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay, so Tony, you're a diversity and inclusion assistant at Omnicom Media Group. Can you explain exactly what you do in that position? Yeah, so I really wish there was a sentence to kind of sum up my position. Um, But truly, like, my role encompasses, like, a lot of things. So my everyday tasks look very different from day to day. So, for example, some days I can be doing a lot of, like, project management tasks, like, creating and sending invites, making sure meetings and events are properly booked, 
Or sometimes I could be doing like brainstorming new diversity and inclusion um, tactics with my boss and thinking of different ways on how to like catapult those initiatives. So really the job truly encompasses a lot of things and has many layers to it. But I think that's why it's so exciting to work in. Yes. Okay. So can you explain like how big your team is and exactly what, what people do in their positions within your team? Yeah, so my team is composed of three different people. So there's me, I'm the assistant um, diverse or diversity and inclusion assistant. And then um, there's my boss, Justin Reyes. He is the director of diversity and inclusion. And then we also have a new member of our team, Sakina, and she is the associate director of diversity and inclusion at Omnicom Media Group. So we all really just work together doing many things. Um, and I wouldn't say any of us have like, one thing that we work on or a set of things we all work on. I really truly think we all work on things together. Okay. And what, what would you say is the main goal of a DNI team within a company like Omnicom? Yeah. So I would say the main purpose of having a diversity and inclusion team is to bring diversity and inclusion into your company. So not only do we want to make sure that we are bringing diverse candidates um, into our walls, we also want to make sure those diverse candidates feel included and they also feel heard um, within their work and also within their teams. So building up things like business resource groups and building different programming um, to make sure that everyone feels included um, is, is really what we like to do. Okay. Um, we'll get a little bit more into those specifics uh, a little later in the interview, but um, before we go any further, can we, can you just tell me a little bit about Omnicom actually, and just um, what they do? Yeah. So I work at Omnicom Media Group, which is underneath the Omnicom umbrella. So Omnicom Media Group is a media agency. So for example, we don't really create the advertisements. We simply use like data analytics and strategy to figure out the best places and times to place an advertisement. So for example, if your core demographic is women 16 to 30, we would do the research to figure out where and how that demographic is most likely to positively receive an ad. Okay. And about how many employees are, are in your New York office? And are there any other offices around the country? Yeah, so there's a ton of offices. So the way that Omnicom Media Group um, works is we have around... I'm at 10 plus agencies underneath our umbrella. The ones that I'm most familiar with are going to be like PhD, Hearts and Science, and OMD. And within those agencies, I don't really have an exact number for you, but it, it's hundreds of employees. And we have um, agencies across um, the entire world. Okay, cool. So you're originally from Indiana, where, you're, where we're talking from now, right? Yes. Um, and then I believe you did your internships in Chicago with mm -hmm. Digitas and Spark Foundry, and now you're in New York City, so you bounced around quite a bit. Um, you know, what's it, what's it been like, you know, working in the Chicago advertising industry and then moving to New York? Like, how do those, how are those um, similar? How are they different? Yeah, so I would say definitely, I feel like New York obviously is a bit more fast paced. You know, I think people here are very much like work hard, play hard. You know, people tend to stay um, at their offices a little bit longer, making sure, you know, that they are really 
always, always working hard. Whereas I feel like Chicago has a bit more of a more laid back scene. You know, people are much more relaxed. You know, people are definitely working the traditional like nine to five. Whereas in New York, I know some of my friends who don't get out the office until eight o'clock. So it's just a difference in like the work-life balance. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. It's just two totally different uh, work cultures. Okay. And what was your process like in, in finding, you know, work after your, your internship in, in a different city? Like, how did you go about that? Did you apply online or what, what was that process? Yeah. So this summer I was interning, like I said, at Digitas. Um, doing diversity and inclusion in the Chicago office underneath the MAKE program, the Multicultural Advertising Internship Program. Shout out to them. And at the end of our program, they send us to New York for a week where we can do a bunch of networking. We get to go visit different agencies. Pretty much the point of it is to put you um, in front of as many people as possible to get a job. So I was super, super lucky that I actually met my boss at the um, at the MAPE networking career fair. So he literally came up to me. He said, hey, I just saw your resume. Would you like to interview Wednesday? And at that time, it was Monday. So I got to interview two days later, and then I signed my offer about 24 hours later. So I left New York with a job. And then three weeks later, from that time, I had moved to New York. So I really never had the experience of not really having a job post-grad, which I know a lot of people do experience that. So I was really lucky to go from like graduating college from like a eight week internship to um, going straight into working, which some people said they would have much rather had wanted a break, but I didn't want a break. I wanted to go straight into working and like starting my new life. Yeah. So, okay. What's that? What's that? process like of you know being offered a job in another city and then you're you then have to go home pack your things move back find a place like um how how does that process work yeah so it was extremely stressful if if, if anyone listening knows how the um housing situation in new york is it's extremely fast and it's extremely competitive so i'm used to finding housing in indiana which is like super easy. You literally can just look at an apartment and be like, okay, I want it, whatever. But in (laughs) New York, they're extremely strict, right? Like you have to make like 40 times the rent. And if you don't make 40 times the rent, then you need, then your guarantor needs to make 80 times the rent. I didn't really even know what a guarantor was. And so I, until I started looking for apartments in New York. So it was extremely stressful. A lot of people don't really want to rent to people that aren't in the city because they want you to see the apartments in person. So I got really lucky to have a roommate that was already in the city. So she would go look for apartments for us. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, very, very stressful. I literally signed my lease when I touched down. I had my luggage and everything in the lease signing office, and then I went to my apartment. So it was it was su- it was really, really last minute, but it was great. I, I'm so happy I found the apartment that I found. That's good. And how, how are you like in New York City yourself? I literally love it so much. <laughs> um, I always tell everyone it was the best decision I ever made. Before I even got this job, I was fixated on moving to Chicago because that's where like everyone I knew from school was moving. And that was just like the go-to place to go to after you go to like a Midwest school. And then one day I woke up, I was like, I'm not moving to Chicago. I'm moving to New York. (laughs) 
So, and then I put everything out and then started looking for jobs in New York. I got a job and seriously, I've met so many cool people. Um, it's so much to do in the city. I'm like, I couldn't imagine myself living anywhere else besides New York. You plan on being there long-term? So when I moved here, I was like, oh, I'm only going to do New York for like two years. You know, I'm just going to like, just say I did it. But now mm -hmm. that I'm here, I'm like, wait, I can really see myself living here for a very long time. Because I don't know, I feel like no matter how long you live in New York, you, you only have scratched the surface of what New York has to offer. So I feel like I will never probably get bored of the city. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you found that. Thank um, you. Well, yeah, of course. So let, let's rewind back to, um, you know, the topic of DNI because I'm, I'm still a little curious about it. And um, I have a, a few more questions. So um, why do you think it's important for, for companies to have, you know, DNI teams internally? Right. So I feel like we're kind of stepping into a time where everyone is starting to see the significance and importance of having people solely working in diversity and inclusion and not just like pushing it off as a side job. So at a lot of companies still, you'll see, you know, maybe recruiters kind of putting their hand into the DNI um, aspect of pulling in diverse um, employees or making a diverse pipeline. Or you'll see, um, you know, people who have other jobs kind of doing DNI on the side. But I think companies are seeing the importance of having people who only work on diversity and inclusion. And that's their main job because there really is a difference when you have a team of people doing only that work. So yeah, I, I feel like I think everyone is seeing it. The numbers are telling you that the more diverse your company is, the more money you're going to make and the more creative your processes are going to be. So yeah, people are definitely seeing the importance of it. From from what you've seen, like what role does DNI have in the hiring process of bringing people in? Like, do you guys get the same pool of candidates as, you know, the regular HR department? Um, do you guys have like a quota that you're supposed to meet? Like how exactly is, is does it work and how much, you know, um, pool do you guys have in bringing people into the agency? So diversity and inclusion, we don't do the hiring. Uh, and we also don't do quotas. Uh, most companies are, are not going to do a quota. But I think for us, what we think is ensuring that our company has as much diverse diversity in the pipeline as possible. So mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, our, our DNI team are going to all the diversity conferences and career fairs as possible to ensure that our hiring process is represented by all. Is there a way to measure success in this in, in a department like this? Yeah, I think that um, like we can see how you know diverse like like say if you've had for example not specifically my company but another company if you were to hire a diversity and inclusion director and you could see that your diversity numbers went up from seven percent to ten percent i mm -hmm. think that's a huge correlation you know um or you can just kind of make sure again that you're pushing diversity into those pipelines um and really that that's really all you can do and hopefully that you know they do have the credentials to get those jobs and hopefully they are like being hired yeah so prior to you getting into advertising like prior to you uh graduating school did were you aware of you know the 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 low numbers of diversity within like the industry in itself before you got into it or was this something that once you got in you were like okay that something's wrong here i want to be a part of fixing it 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of both. Um, my sophomore year, I went to a publicist, um, which is another holding company, kind of like Omnicom, a publicist, a multicultural um, talent pipeline. So when I was there, it was literally just all diverse college students that were in advertising, and we came together um, uh, in their New York office. And there they kind of talked about, you know, how unfortunately low the numbers are, um, not only in advertising, but in most other industries and what we can do to fix that. But also just, I don't know, hearing my friends' stories from their different companies, I knew that there was, there was a lot of work that needed to be done and that I, I did want to be a part of that work. Yeah. So like I've heard on numerous occasions, um, things like, you know, there just aren't enough black candidates in the candidate pool. I've heard that from like hiring managers and recruiters. Um, you know, what's your response when you hear something like that? Yeah. So I think it's easy to just rely on hiring those who reach out for the position. But I think that, you know, with the rise of LinkedIn and other, um, and even the abundance of career fairs specifically for diverse talent, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going out and seeking out diverse talent for yourself. So if, if your candidate pool isn't diverse as you want it to be, I believe it's kind of your job to go seek out those diverse candidates for the jobs and increase that um, the diversity in your pipeline. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree. So let's, let's actually rewind a little bit. What was, what's your initial introduction to advertising? Like how did you end up um, going to school to study advertising? Yeah, so I actually started college with the major in broadcast journalism because mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to be actually an anchor on like live TV. And after doing more research on it, I found it wasn't really the best fit for me. So after changing my major to advertising, I got invited to that multicultural talent pipeline in New York City. And then that's where I learned about MAPE, uh, the, the Multicultural Advertising Internship Program. I signed up for it. I got accepted. Um, and after that, I've been hooked on advertising. And I, I don't see myself uh, changing my, um, my career anytime soon. Can you, um, let's actually talk a little bit about MAPE. You know, how instrumental was that in, in you figuring out um, the direction that you wanted to go in? Yeah, I mean, I think MAPE is seriously the best program ever. Not only are the summers that you spend with like 30 plus interns, all interning at different companies, amazing, but also the after you become a MAPE alum is also amazing. So I think the great thing about MAPE is it gives you the chance to see all the different capabilities in advertising. So whether if you want to be a media planner, if you want to be in strategy, if you want to be in creative, they give you the chance to see how those look and, and how you could possibly work in those fields. So that was super nice uh, to see what my um, other interns were doing. And I was like, oh, maybe I would want to be a media planner and maybe I do want to do strategy. And also in the summer, they do MAPE labs. So you'll go to like a different agency and you'll kind of see what they're up to. And it's just so much exposure to the industry. It's almost hard not to want to stay in advertising after you're in the MAPE program. Yeah. So, I mean, originally your first internship with Spark, was that, that was through MAPE also? Yes, it was. I'm a two-time MAPER. <laughs> okay. So you yeah. entered in strategy, I believe, at Spark, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, what, what was strategy like for you? Um, and, you know, why did you essentially um, want to transition into doing something else? Yeah. So what I, again, a lot of people will come into advertising thinking you're going to be creating the advertising 
advertisement. And that's what I thought. I thought I was going to come in there and make like the best new ad of the century. And then when I realized I was kind of at a media company and I was doing strategy, it was a lot of numbers. It was a lot of Excel. And while I got to work with amazing brands like Jergens, uh, Biore Face Wash, um, and Biore, just overall the Biore company, it was amazing. I just, I felt like I wasn't able to be as creative as I wanted to. Um, it was very, it was very tedious work and, I had an amazing internship and my team was incredible, but I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, I actually don't think this is the route that I want to take with my career. That's good that you were able to, you know, experience that and still be able to make a change. I think that's why it's important for, I think, a lot of people to, you know, intern in different places. And Mm -hmm. it's so important. Yeah. I just think it's good for people to try different things before you just commit to something because, you know, that's, that's a recipe for if you don't like it and you're, you're committed to something, you know, you're going to be unhappy and that's never good. Mm -hmm. And that's what internships are for. It's kind of like, I don't know, you're like dating different career paths, you know, Um, which I think is super nice. I I feel like a lot of people think, oh, my God, I interned in this. Now I have to have a career in this. No, the whole point of an internship is to just stick your foot in it and see if that's what you want. And if not, you can go back to the drawing board. I agree. I agree. Okay, so um, how has your responsibilities and, and within like, you know, the office change between, um, you know, being a full-time employee at an agency as opposed to being an intern? Yeah. So I feel like as an intern, you're kind of really just, you come in and then you're just helping out with what your, um, what your manager or what your team is already doing. So they're kind of saying, Hey, you can help a little bit right here. You can help a little bit right there. If you mess up, it's okay. You know, you're here to learn. Whereas when I feel like when you become a full-time employee, a lot of the responsibility is lying on you. I'm not saying you can't make as many mistakes. Like, yes, you can make mistakes. It's okay. But you have to take 100% responsibilities of those mistakes and all of, like, the work you're doing. Also, I would say that your voice, I feel like, is a little bit more heard because you are on the team. You know, they want to hear what you have to say. And you are making actual, like, differences within the work that you're doing i'm not saying interns can't make those those choices but i think more so as a full-time employee because well you're officially on the team now i think that was a little bit different for me to transfer from being an intern to full-time employee i was like oh wait like this is my work like i can you know give my opinion i can make you know a switch to this or put that change into that so so that was really nice yeah. Um, and, and speaking to my classmates, um, a lot of people are, you know, some of who just graduated or some will be graduating soon. Everyone's going on job interviews and, you know, everyone is, you know, the, the biggest concern that I found is people are unaware of like what the job um, interview process. So um, let's talk a little bit more about your, your interview with Omnicom and, and you know, how to go, um, how many interviews you went through. Um, yeah. So can you just like walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so like I said, I met my boss at the uh, at the Mape Career Fair, and then about a day later, we had a we had interviews. So I had three, I think, three or four thirty minute interviews. So it was like two hours um, of interviewing, and then that was really the end of my interview process. Where some people um, they have like 
six hour interview processes where it's like three, two hour interviews. So I really just depends on like how your company does it. It depends on like what your role wants, but I would say it's pretty standard to just meet with different people of the team. And then after that, they would make their decision. Did you, did you take it upon yourself to do, you know, some research on Omnicom before going in and how did that help you if you did or if you did it? Oh, absolutely. You need to do research on the company because you want to make sure that not, not only do you want to do research on the company so you know what you're talking about in your interview, you want to make sure you're doing research on the company to make sure that's a company that you want to work for. Mm. I think a lot of times when we step into interviews, we think that they're just interviewing us when on the when on reality, you're both interviewing each other because you have just much just as much as a decision to make, just as much as they have a decision to make too. So you're both kind of feeling each other out and both seeing if this is a fit. And if it's both a mutual fit, congrats. But if not, I mean, it's totally fine. It happens all the time. You just got to keep moving and find the perfect fit for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Um, and just off the top of your head, can you like remember any specific questions that you were asked or... Ooh, I, I don't know if I can remember any specific ones, but I think a very standard one is, well, why do you want to work here? You know, yeah. why do you want to uh, work in this specific um, career field? Um, another one is a lot of people are doing behavioral interviews now. So it's a lot of tell me about a time when or mm. tell me about this time when. And you have to be able to draw back on um, experiences and how you've learned from them and put that into like a solid answer. Great, great advice. So what's an average day like for you at work now? So that's the thing. So there really isn't an average day because I'm always working on different things. But I can say usually, you know, I'll come into the office at 9 a.m. Um, I'll kind of check the news, check LinkedIn, see what's going on, probably eat my bagel, you know, standard nine to five life, eat my bagel, kind of get um, the rundown on what's happening. I'll check in with my boss and then I'll kind of just work on whatever projects I'm working on at the time. And usually I'll have a couple meetings, a couple phone calls, and then I'll finish off on like working off on any uh, projects that I have for the day. So it's a very, I would say my role is very independent. Um, and which is really nice because I get to kind of like set my own pace, just making sure that I'm hitting deadlines, making sure everything's organized, making sure, you know, my manager's getting everything that he needs from me. Other than that, yeah, it's a very, um, it's a very, it's a very great job. Cool. What's your, um, just out of curiosity, what's like your New York City commute like into the office? So if any, anyone listening, if you know anything about Brooklyn, I live in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and then I commute to the financial district. So, for example, I commute kind of close to Wall Street. So mm -hmm. my commute is about 20 minutes. So it's not long at all. It's literally one train. It's about six stops. And then I'm off. And then my office is right across from the train station. So it's really convenient. It, it's great. It's good that you live in Brooklyn. I've talked to people who live, like, way out. And they have to jump trains and oh, crazy no, no, commute. No, no. <laughs> no that, that was, like, my number one thing. I was like, I need to only take one train to work. Yeah. And yeah, I take the two or the five. So both both are like only four minute walk from my apartment. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what, what have you found to be, you know, the most difficult part of your job? Hmm. I wouldn't say that this would be difficult, but I would say that making sure all the lines of communication to the employees are very clear. So since I'm not on a team that just communicates with five or so people 
we are literally communicating with hundreds of employees. So making sure that everyone is in the loop with everything that's happening can be a bit challenging. So I would say you have to be very organized. You have to be very clear about what you're saying. And it has to run through various people before it gets sent out to all the employees, which is nice because you get like a second pair of eyes. So I would say making sure that the lines of communication are very clear. That would be the most challenging. Okay. And what are the lines of communication? Like, do you, so you communicate with lots of people throughout the day. Like what are, what forms of communication are you doing? Are these like face-to-face meetings? Are these, you know, uh, some type of communication internal program or like, how are you communicating with these people? So I would say it's mostly email, um, but also a lot of, um, dialing in and also a lot of, um, face-to-face meetings. So a lot of the people that I'm communicating with a lot are maybe in LA or then Chicago or then Miami. So it's a lot of dialing in and making sure that you are scheduling those dial-ins. And I know sometimes people may be like, oh, we don't need a meeting. Like, let's just send an email. No, mm-hmm. sometimes you really do need that meeting to make sure everyone is on the same page. Um, yeah. Making sure that communication it is very clear because things can get very confusing very fast. So always scheduling those meetings. That that would be my that would be my advice to people. Schedule the meetings. Don't just always send the emails. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so what, uh, the reverse of that. What have you found to be you know the most rewarding part of your job? Yeah. So I would say watching things that you've helped implement or create have like real time impact is amazing to watch. So for example, my team has launched two business resource groups during my time here. So the Black Leadership Network and the Latino Leadership Network and watching employees engage and be excited about those business resource groups is super exciting to watch. So have you picked up any activities to do like in your free time that helps you um, keep up with your job or keep up with the industry in general? Things like, you know, do you read books? Are you a podcast listener, magazines, you know, TVs, TV shows, anything? Mm Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn-ing. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn, always yeah. seeing what's happening into our um, industry and DNI. But outside of just um, like my industry, I would say I love the podcast Small Doses by Amanda Seals. And mm. also I love this podcast called the Disruptor Series. It's so good. Um, by, that one's by TBWA, right? Yeah. yeah, TBWA, Doug Melville. He... Um, interviews different people and um you get to see what different disruptors are doing and how they've gotten to the positions that they've gotten which is really refreshing to listen to that's good that's good let's talk about linkedin a little bit um yeah linkedin is a a really important you know resource to to have and and to take advantage of and i feel like a lot of people are not not up on the wave yet Mm -hmm. um so for people listening who are you know going to be entering the the workforce like how important is it to to present yourself on linkedin and just have a presence oh it's it's so important it's it's so important because after i left the um the um career fair which is where i had found my job so many of, of the people that i knew found their jobs from linkedin whether it was someone messaging them on linkedin hey i see you've done this and this would you like to come in for an interview? I see you're in New York City. Would you like to come in for this interview? It's so important to make sure that your LinkedIn is up to up to date. Make sure that not only is it just up to date, but you're sharing things. You're sharing things you're, po- you're passionate about. Making sure that your work and everything that you're currently doing is up to date. Um, yeah, it's it's so important to make sure that your LinkedIn is is great and in prime and in prime shape. Okay. Um. 
I agree. I agree. If you could go back in time and, and offer your college self some advice, you know, what would you tell yourself knowing everything that you know now? So I would probably tell myself to relax, especially during the end of my internship this summer. I was extremely worried that I was going to leave MAPE without a job, and I did not want to go home without any type of like second step uh, to leaving my hometown, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I ended up getting uh, the job I have right now, like I said, three days before my program was over. So I would tell myself to relax and that everything is going to work out. Okay. Um, any advice for anyone listening that would, you know, like to eventually become, um, you know, join a DNI team or form a DNI team? So I would say to be very intentional about what you want, because I know it's so easy to take a job that you don't really want outside of college or once you graduate college, just because, you know, you want to get your foot in the door. But I would, I would encourage people to take the job that you really want because I know a lot of people would would tell me like, you know, finding a diversity and inclusion job right out of college is going to be extremely difficult. And I found one. And not only did I find one, found one, I found a great one um, in New York city at an amazing company, but like Omnicom media group. And I remember when I was telling people, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be that diversity and inclusion assistant at Omnicom media group. People were like, wait, what? Like you got a diversity and inclusion job straight out of college. And I was like, yep. Um, so just making sure that you're reaching out to as many people as possible, that you're making sure your resume is hitting as many people's hands as possible. You're definitely, you're, you're definitely going to see, um, you're going to reap the benefits from that. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with me is you can send me an email, tone pring, T-O-N-P-R-I-N-G at indiana.edu. I still have my college email address. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Tony Pringley. So T-O-N-I-P-R-I-N-G-L-E-Y. Okay, Tony, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and do this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So great being here. No problem. Bye. Bye. What's up, everybody? Before we go, if you want to hear and learn more about the ad industry, make sure you check out our other episodes in the podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, you can email academicspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to like, leave a review, post it on any and all social channels. You can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram at academics, or you can find me personally at Justin D. Barnett. I'm Justin D. Barnett, and you've been listening to the Academics Podcast.